Hello, happy Wednesday, coaches. Welcome to Real Talk. This is going to be a special treat for the first time in a little while. All four of us are here on this call live. That's right. We have Les Ninow, Lisa Barber, Tim Mann, and Justin Weaver in the house today. We're going to have some fun on today's call. Welcome, welcome, everyone. We've got hundreds of coaches calling in from all aspects of the country today. So, a little bit of housekeeping as we get started. First thing I want you all to do is go down to your chat box, hit the little three buttons there, the little three dots, and make sure that you set your conversation to everyone. That way we can all see the messages that you send us. If you don't do that, it's just going to come to the hosts and panelists. That's the four of us. And as much as we like seeing your messages, we want you to share the love with everyone for your comments. Um, this is one of the most fun calls that we do as a squad. And so we're excited to have you all here. Um, well, if I only want to talk to Tim Man, well, you know. I, I mean, I get it. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ugh. All right. Well, there's that. Uh, off the rails already this morning. No, we're going to have fun today. Hey, we are also recording this Real Talk. We record all of these Real Talks. And we do provide them so that you guys can go back and rewatch them. Or if you're hearing this for the first time, well, I guess you found the link. So there you go. Uh, we will be making this available to you guys afterwards, but we do wanna make sure that you guys have opportunities to connect with us. So you can send us questions in the Q&A box because sometimes that chat box goes really quickly because there's hundreds of you on this call. And so we love seeing that participation, but make sure to hit that everyone button, unless you just wanna talk to Tim, in which case Tim would be glad to talk to you, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, anything else I missed, Les, on the, on the housekeeping? That was pretty much it. Yeah. That was it? That's it? Okay. Hey, today we have a topic that I think will be of interest to all of you. It's of interest to us. So whether or not you're interested or not, I'll get on board with the program here. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be playing around with this idea of the coach's identity and the coach's role. So I'm going to set the stage a little bit with something that I heard this morning that I brought to the squad. And the squad said, you know what? This would be a good thing for us to talk about and maybe issue some challenges to our coaches. I was listening this morning and I heard on a podcast, this is a teacher and an educator talking about his role as a teacher and an educator to his students. And I saw a lot of parallels between what he was talking about and what we do as coaches. And so as we're thinking about the coach's role and the coach's identity and how we work with our clients, he brought up two very important points that I wanted us to bring into our coaching conversation. And Lisa had a lot of great conversation that spawned out of this. And so did Tim. And I want Les to jump in on this all as well. Let me talk you through the two things this educator was talking about. Two things. First thing he said was this. When I'm a teacher and I hear a question from one of my students, in the beginning part of my career, as soon as I heard a question, I gave an answer because I was the teacher. My student asked a question. I had the knowledge and I gave the answer. And that works as far as giving my student an answer. They now had the information that they requested. But as I grew in my role as a teacher, I realized that if I just gave a whole bunch of answers, I wasn't actually helping my students grow. They got the knowledge in the moment for what they needed to answer the test or the quiz or satisfy whatever curiosity they had. But what I was teaching my students was, if they asked me a question, I'd give them an answer. And instead, as I grew in my role as a teacher, as an educator, what did I really want for my students? I wanted them to grow into curious people who loved learning and would continuously be wanting to grow. And so instead of giving an answer, I learned as a teacher how to give back a question for the student to explore. That was the first thing he said. He said the second thing was this. I learned that I had to be very careful in two ways with my students so that I could actually set them up for success instead of me as the teacher up for success. Two ways I saw this. Number one, he said, was 
I have to be careful not to steal the credit from my students for the accomplishments they achieved. And then the second part of that was I need to make sure that I am not shoving all the risk onto my students so that if they fail, well, it's not on me as the teacher. I gave them everything they needed. They just didn't succeed. Stepping into my role as a teacher and an educator, I better was able to set up my students for success when I didn't take the credit from them for their accomplishments. And also I shared in the risk of the endeavor of the teacher and student relationship when I came alongside them. And I didn't just give them all the risk and take away the credit whenever they achieve something. So with that as the background, I know Lisa had several comments she wanted to jump in for, for, for that conversation. You can take any of those three things that we, we just talked about here, Lisa. Uh, but Lisa, Tim, Les, I would love to hear you guys jump in on that. Mm -hmm. Our role and identity as coaches, not being quick to give answers, not stealing credit, and also sharing in the risk with our clients. What resonates in that conversation for you guys? Go ahead, Lisa. Ladies first before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> you assume you haven't gotten yourself in trouble already with your comment earlier. <laughs> The day is still early. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, uh, Dustin, you say risk, you know, um, uh, I, I guess, and I may get myself in trouble. Um, you know, the, the, the contrast you painted with that teacher in the statement, the win-win for the teacher, right? Um, so prideful. Um, and I, I feel like I'm um, uh, qualified to talk about pride because I am really prideful extremely full of it overflowing like it squirts out my ears kind of pride y'all and we all are right and um we have i think we all have a lot of work to do in that area and so putting that pride in check and assuming our role you know i mean and, and it, it there was a little chatter in the in the in the chat box william had brought up the jewish culture and how a rabbi answers a question with a question and you've heard us say that here over and over and over again, because it's the example that Jesus gives us. And, um, and our, oh, y'all, it's one thing that keeps happening, just a disclaimer, I'm at home in my home office today. And if my video keeps doing that freezing, I'll just come off video. I don't want it to be distracting. But um, the, so William bringing that up, you know, that Jesus example of answering a question with a question positions that individual into learning or understanding or knowing that they have their own answer and it takes us truly out of the equation i mean we 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 become then a facilitator of their success the guide that guide component to this and it's a hard habit to create but again when the risk when you go back to ask the risk as a coach Justin, is that I, I, what that does is it takes the mic out of my hand. So there's not going to be a drop the mic moment. Um, it takes it takes the solution out of my hand. So I'm not going to be the hero. It takes the knowledge, education and information. It, it, it places me in a position that gives power to the other person. Not that I need to be in a powerful position. That's where, that's where it can get risky because we might just have our pride um, challenged, or, or uh, you know, I, maybe it's a way that God is using that moment, even in that in that setting, um, to humble us, you know, and say, "Listen, nobody knows the heart of a coach better than Jesus Himself," right? And this is who I want you to be. I want you to be like my son. So let's work on this skill a little bit. It's not about you. It's about the client. So one of the things that I, I'm looking at the time, I'm looking at our attendee numbers. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for our attendee numbers to drop because I'm about to potentially step on some toes here, y'all. 
first, let me say, I understand the incredible irony of us having this conversation on a call where we're not really asking you questions and using this method that we're talking about. I get it. It, it is tremendously hilarious to me internally um, because it feels like this. But also, it, it is sometimes interesting because especially some of you that have been around for a while uh, have experienced this frustration with one or more of us where you ask us a question and we give you a question back. And so you ask us another question, and we give you another question back and you ask us a third question and we give you a question back. And I've, I've had coaches through the years that have become so frustrated. They're like, why won't you just answer my question? And it's really interesting is sometimes the same coaches that have that moment are like, yeah, amen. Like ask your clients questions, do these things. But when we flip that role, we're not always willing to be the one questioned. And, and you know, I, I'm right there with you. Sometimes the most difficult thing for me is when I ask somebody else a question and they respond to me with a question, I'm like, just give me the stupid answer. I just want it. I don't want you to coach me right now. I don't want to, I, I just want an answer. For love, all that is holy, give me an answer. Can I have the vacation day or not? Right, like, uh, but we, <laughs> we sometimes get uh, stuck in on these things. And so part of this challenge, part of this thing that we are talking about today is how we approach our clients. But also this is a challenge for how we choose to learn ourselves. If we're going to be a good student of the discipline of coaching, if we're going to be a coachable person, if we're going to be somebody who does not stop learning at any point along the way, we have to not only be willing to be the questioner, but the questionee. And so I do want to challenge these things. Some of the things that, uh, that you might be kind of wrestling through on this, think about when somebody asks you a question, what if you respond with a question? When you ask somebody a question, what if you're given a question? We can become angry. We can get frustrated. We can think this person can't help me, or we can reshape our mindset and think this person is going to coach me in this moment. This person is going to help me. And so I do want us to be thinking about how we approach questions, both as the person who asks questions and someone who hears them. It's important stuff. Well, Tim, you probably didn't see the question in the chat box, but someone asked how many questions did Yoda answer? You know, not a whole lot. <laughs> in fact, I, I don't have the stats on Yoda because, uh, they're, they're, believe it or not, depending on which canon you look at, there are parts of it that I haven't read yet. Um, but, but I have spent a lot of time studying Jesus. And I know that throughout his ministry, there's 173 different times that he's given a direct question from somebody. Sometimes it's an honest question. Sometimes it's somebody who's trying to trip him up who's trying to trick him into saying something wrong or to get him on the hook for something so that they can make an accusation. And in all of those questions, he only answered directly four times out of 173 opportunities. So often he responded with the question because a lot of times a gentle question can turn away a harsh answer. A gentle question can turn away a heavy disagreement. A gentle question from a client may divert somebody who wants to argue with you on why they should keep the car or why they shouldn't pay off this debt or why they should fill in the blank here of whatever foolish financial decision they're wanting to make. A gentle question may help them see things differently. And so we both have to be able to ask those questions. But again, I'm going to challenge us to go a step further. This is not what we planned for this, uh, but I, I do think it's something for us to keep in mind. We have to be willing to be asked these questions as coaches by those that are coaching us as well. This isn't just a, this is how we're gonna make you a great coach for your clients. This is how you get better. This is how you grow as well. That's what Real Talk is all about. Tim, in that response, I didn't hear you say, never give an answer. Correct. But I heard your ratio was important in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it depends on the sources too. I actually am showing 183 questions to Jesus and only three were answered correctly. I mean, directly. And so there's different sources, the way they figure that out. But either way, he didn't answer very many. <laughs> and he knew it was more important to find out what was behind it rather than just give them an answer they can turn around and feel like they've got what they need. Um, I, I, I take that into the stealing credit 
um, if, if we become their hero by answering their questions, and one of the things that we want to do is inject hope into people, into situations, guess where the people's hope is in if I'm the answer man? It's in me. And if it's in me, guess who gets emails and text messages and phone calls at two in the morning because they need their hero at that moment, right? <laughs> I didn't set them up for success. I stole them being able to give themselves the credit for what they did. I took it from them. And I want them to have hope in their own abilities to help themselves. I, I want them to give themselves the credit and not just say, well, boy, let's just save the day. Let's just always knows what to say. Let's just always pulls us out of the, you know, the troubles we're in. It's like, I don't want that. I'm getting all the credit then. And so if I'm doing that, I'm literally stealing the credit from them that they should give to themselves. And so we have FPU tonight, got about, um, we had 109 um, actually sign up for the class. We had as many as 85 show up. Y'all who, who have been part of FPU know how that works. But I'm going to address the class tonight because I learned in our snapshot, I put all that calculations together over the week. And now this is the first week we'll get together. And I know now as the coordinator of a you know, 85 people that 109 credit cards are out there. <laughs> now, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with them and make some offer, but you know what? I'm not going to tell one person in that class they need to cut up their credit card. Because if they make a decision to cut up their credit card, they're going to always be able to credit their decision to do that. If they cut up their credit card because less tells them to, Les always gets the credit for that. And so even as a, as a coordinator of FPU, I have to do the coaching principles. I will not tell somebody they need to cut up the credit card ever, but I'm certainly gonna ask the right questions for them to conclude that on their own, right? And so I just don't wanna steal the credit from my client or even my FPU members. It, to give you really, credit, Les, though, coaches don't miss that. How many people are coming to your FPU? About 85. It's mm. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. so it's I fun, saw some, never gets old. <laughs> I saw someone mention in the chat box the, the difference of like the coach in sports, right? The coach doesn't belong out on the field. Uh, some of you know, because you've been around for a while, I spent 21 years refereeing soccer. And I got to a pretty decently high level. Uh, I was doing division one college, regional professional games. So I've, I've seen a lot of coaches. I've worked with a lot of coaches out on a soccer field. I, I've seen the coaches that work out really well. I've seen coaches that have done things really well. And I remember some of the best coaches I ever saw uh, were at this, uh, this particular team. And you would never hear them during the game. Even with the youth, you would never hear them during the game. If they needed to have a conversation with one of the kids on the team, they would sub them out. They never once called across the field about what little Johnny or Susie was doing wrong, they'd bring them in close. They'd have the brief conversation and then let them get back out. During halftime, after the game, they would sit the team down and I would walk by after the game and I would hear the coach coaching the team and say, all right, what happened here? Where do you think we went wrong here? Why did we score that goal, but we missed that one? And they would go through and have this wonderful questioning and they never had a problem. And every kid that I ever saw on those teams loved playing for those coaches. There were some other coaches that I saw that had a very different style. These were coaches that would scream at their players. They would scream at the referees. They didn't often make it that far with me because those of you that know me know I'm also really good at boundaries. And so if they would scream at me, they could scream at me from the parking lot and miss the rest of the game. They didn't get to stick around. And I actually had a record at one point for the most coaches thrown out in a particular league because I didn't put up with it. That doesn't surprise me. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't surprise anyone that knows me. Right. But like one of the interesting things about that was that coach was making it all about themselves. That coach took everything in that moment. And instead of letting it be about the student, the player that they had worked with and brought up and let that person have a shining moment, they had to make it all about them. And y'all, the players didn't enjoy playing for them. Sometimes it was the parents. The, there were players that didn't enjoy playing for, with certain parents there. 
I at one point was doing a game. This parent was so much, there was so much yelling coming from this parent. This 14 year old girl was getting so frustrated that I held up play at one point. I walked over and I said, you know how we use our cards, right? And she's like, yep. I said, I'm gonna let you borrow this yellow card for a second and then you can go tell your mom to zip it. She runs over, starts swinging this yellow card in her mom's face and says, you have to shut up or I'm gonna make you leave because this person wasn't coaching. They weren't trying to make somebody else better. They were trying to take all of the glory, all the dignity, all these things for themselves. And coaches, let me tell you, we can't live vicariously through our clients. Say that again. We cannot live vicariously through our clients. Right? A lot of us wanna work with young people because we have this idea of getting with young people and having them avoid the same mistakes that we made. And if we're not careful, what can happen is we can get so focused on helping them win that we take on that because we don't want to accept our own past and our own history. And we take something that is good and wonderful and beautiful. I've wanted to take the mistakes that I've made and avoid those things with somebody else. But we try to have them live the life we should have lived. You try to live a smarter financial plan through your clients and you steal their dignity and you steal their opportunity and you steal their moment of glory when they're the one that actually makes something happen. And we don't want to do that to ourselves. We don't want to do that to our clients because we crush our own reputations. We destroy our ability to help people and we lose out on everything that we've built. Now I want to bring Les in on this because Les, I know you have a heart for mentorship for younger folks. So I want you to talk about how you run mentorship and uh, some of the lessons you've learned. I even heard you on a call yesterday talking about this. Yeah, well, I learned what mentorship wasn't. (laughs) You have to know what you're getting into, Um, especially when I tried to get somebody older than me, (laughs) Tim. (laughs) He's like, Moses is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but to me, I just, boy, I'll tell you what, I, I just love asking questions of younger, especially younger guys. I love asking questions and I love to sit back and listen to their answers. And to me, it opens doors. It opens opportunity for them to share. And inevitably what they end up doing then is asking for my perspective. Um, And so all I'm doing is adding to their story and getting them through my perspective. And guess what, by the way, my perspective is going to include more questions for them, <laughs> right? And so it just gives them an opportunity to open up and share and uh, feel comfortable with me. And, uh, and maybe I've experienced the same thing. And maybe I've had some life lessons because of maybe having a little more life in me. And again, put a muzzle on Tim, but (laughs) um, I just love, I love mentoring younger, especially younger guys. And uh, I just, I I just love being in their lives Uh, because I had a guy one time who came through our training, um, came to the on-site training when we used to have kind of a field trip to come here and before anything was online. And uh, he just reached out to me probably uh, six months after he attended the training just out of the clear blue. And he said, Hey, Les, um, I just would like your opinion on something. And I said, what's that? He says, well, I'm, I'm asking three people that I look up to and admire. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, why are you contacting me? It's like, we hardly knew each other, but we did interact while he was here for the training. But he said, I wanted to go to people who were older. I said, okay, now I qualify. <laughs> but he's like, he was ready to turn 30. And he asked the question, he says, what would you tell you if you could go back in time and talk to you before you turn 30? And I went, oh, what a fascinating question. It was really intriguing for me. And uh, and so really all he wanted to know was, how can I do life better? How can I get some insight from someone who probably figured this out already looking back? I don't have the ability to look back, but I can talk to somebody who can, and they can help me maybe look at life going forward a little differently. And so I love the opportunity to just have those discussions. <laughs> Infant electricity. <laughs> if there's for anyone that didn't see the chat box there, I just I made a joke about, for those of you that this is your first time and think this is rough, for one, this is every it's time. It's rough. 
but also Les has been a good friend and mentor for me for a number of years. This is our back and forth. <laughs> a lot of love here. We get a little bit of hate mail every time, but we're not going to stop because this is how we have some fun on these calls. I don't know about uh, a yes. lot of love. I guess it's one way, but. <laughs> All right, Lisa, I'm, I'm coming back to you. Let's let's write yes, this please. together here. Okay. <laughs> please. <clears throat> we need you to hear I, from Lisa. Lisa, you and I were talking earlier about this topic. And one thing that I, I want you to bring to this call and expound on a little bit was we, we teach in the training about being the hero and being the guide. We talk about being a coach and asking questions and not just giving answers all the time. You know, take your financial expert hat off, put your coach hat on. We get that, right? But sometimes this stuff is sneaky about stealing credit from our clients. Can, can you talk to the coaches here and let's just continue the conversation about what you were leading in the conversation earlier with us about not giving answers, not stealing the credit, but just our role as a coach, walking people through options. Yeah, um, you're, um, I, there were so many things. I mean, y'all, it was like a 10 minute conversation. There was so much stuff in that 10 minutes. Um, and I did true confession. Sometimes I don't always listen to what I say. <laughs> I'm doing really, I'm doing really, really good to try to spool this up, but I think I know where you're going. All right. <laughs> well, you get to take it where you want to go. Okay. All right. I, I all right. think you just made the quote book. I'm not sure. Lisa. <laughs> I might've, I might've, Hey, I guarantee there's 378 people on here. There was a lot of head nods. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. Lisa. I don't listen to me all the time either. Um, I forget mid sentence. Thank you. See, I got my peeps on here. Y'all got my back. Um, yeah, I, you know, um, sometimes we, uh, have requirements of our clients. Uh, this is where I'm going to go, whether this is where you intend me to go or not, where you were fishing. All right. We, we put, uh, it, it position, uh, the client, um, as if they're working for us. Maybe that's a good way to phrase it. Right. And we, we place these requirements on them. Um, I hear this language a lot. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we, we language things. It's not exactly what we mean. That's why words are very powerful, right? But I will hear coaches say, well, you know, I want to know that my client is all in and they are going to do the work. Well, the thing is, is that we as a coach, it's imperative that we understand what all in is for the client, that we don't define it for them. We have to, um, we have to, we have to help and we have to meet them where they are. Where are they in as far as ready is concerned? And, um, you know, we want to have good boundaries and guidelines, of course. Um, if, if we have a client that no shows or whatever, but let's find out why they're no showing before we implement a rule. Um, Jesus came to give grace. He, he, he fulfilled the law. And, and so if we're mimicking our coaching after that example of, of Jesus with questions, right? So that people can discover themselves. You know, people are hidden treasure, y'all, and we are mining for gold here. You know, and if we put a bunch of rules in place, what are we going to miss with the client? Well, they th three times they showed up and didn't do their budget. Well, what's going on? You know, did 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 we did we tell them they need to go open the Every Dollar app and do the budget, y'all? You tell me that I'm not going to do my budget. What's happening here? You know, what, what's going on below the surface and, um, and, and to, to just, if, if we helped a person just get to the root of why they're fearful of looking at their bank account, I'm talking that score y'all all the way around. That is a win for the client because they're scared. They're up at night, fearful of of what's going on with that bank account and why you know am i gonna is is something gonna bounce 
or or be be rejected in you know an auto draft you know and and yet here we are putting tasks in place and so we have to be careful that we don't bow down to the altar of the task and become a task master instead we're 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 people who are fallible and just as broken as the person sitting across from us and we have screwed it up and we're probably going to screw something up later today right because that's just that's who we are we're we're in our sin nature and and so we we give grace not rules and it, and we find now there are there times that setting good boundaries healthy boundaries will you know sift to the surface a client who's just really not engaged absolutely but you know what that's going to be the exception and not the rule Mm -hmm. they're going to be the exception at that point most of your people that you're meeting with are they're overwhelmed they're confused there's breakdown in communication they're overcoming years of 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 bad behaviors you know, and um, I, I just I'm not about to give up on somebody. Now, does that mean that I'm going to call them every other day or at the beginning of each month and say, do you, did you do this or did you do that? I'm, uh, you know, am I your accountability or whatever? No, that that doesn't necessarily mean that. It means that because I have an individual client, I have an individual relationship with that that client. You know, um, I'm I'm not, you know, seven steps to healthy financial living. I'm not going to create a class where at the beginning of each class, you have to turn your homework in to the teacher or you get a zero in my grade book. You know, again, distinguishing the teacher from the coach and the heart of a coach, one that is filled with compassion and grace all day long for a client who said, I messed it up and I want to try it again. Well, and let me share a real story that I experienced, not from coaching. I'm going to, I'm going to go back in my own history here for a bit because you were describing this, Lisa, this story kept, kept popping up in the back of my head. It's one of those stories I've tried to forget multiple times and I just haven't been able to, no matter how hard I try, because um, it wasn't a proud moment for me. Right? This is real talk and sometimes we share the vulnerabilities but I think there's a good point to this, and I think it's going to help us understand why we sometimes do this. Um, so I, I spent two years in college as an RA, resident assistant, and uh, it was a small Christian college, and we had some decently strict rules because that's usually the way things go at such schools. And one of those rules was curfew, um, and that was on the RAs to take care of curfew and writing fines for residents who came back after curfew. And one of the guys in my hall came back late one night. Um, he ended up being 15 minutes late for curfew. And it was this weird, it was like a 50 cents a minute fine. Don't ask me how I remember that. Um, but I had to write this guy a fine for $7.50, which is about what an hour of work on campus and an on-campus job was at the time. And so I showed up, I gave him his fine, went back to my room because I wanted to go to bed. And one of the other guys in the hall approached me the next day and said, hey, why'd you give him a fine? I said, it was curfew, man. Like he came in late. He knew the deal. And they said, did you talk to him? I said, I'll be honest. I did not. And they said, he broke up with his girlfriend last night and he got back late because he was out trying to like deal with that conversation and like handle his business. I got so nervous when he had walked in late that because I was up on the third floor of the dorm. And so he's going to walk past multiple other RAs. I got nervous and scared that if I didn't do my job as an RA, and write him a fine that it was going to look bad on me. And I was so focused on making sure that I wanted to do things the right way for myself that I missed an opportunity to meet with somebody right where he was and have the conversation with them that I needed to have. And that would have been a far more useful conversation. Now, luckily, I've I've been able to have a ton of conversations with people over the years and learn how to have good conversations about hard things. Y'all, I missed a great opportunity for that. And instead, the lesson I have from that moment is I was too caught up in my own stuff and my own fear of how I was going to be perceived as the authority figure in his world that I screwed up. And I let him down. And I'm pretty sure he's not on this call, but you know who you are. If you happen to be on this call, if you've become a coach since then, they haven't told me yet, I'm sorry. I screwed up. 
I owe you that. You know, this is why this stuff is so important. Now, we may have had the conversation and I may have still had to say, hey, you know what? Like, I get it and I'm sorry. And like, I, I need you to understand, like, I don't enjoy doing this, but I'm going to be in trouble if I don't write this fine. Like, and we could have had a very, very different conversation about it. And we probably could have laughed about it. Or heck, I could have said, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to write you the fine. I'm just going to pay it. Because like, this is silly. This is not what this is for. But I also like, I, I've got to deal with both the rules that we have and grace, which ultimately that's the message of the gospel is God saying, I can't let you off the hook for what you've done. You owe this, but I'm going to pay it. I'm going to take the punishment that you've earned. I'm going to take what you've deserved and I'm going to take care of that for you. That's what that relationship looks like. And there is no better example of coaching than God, than, than Christ and how he showed us these things. But again, take my failure in that moment Take the learning that I had and apply that to your coaching. When you're going at something, when you're trying to solve somebody for something for somebody, when you're trying to call them out for not being all in, is it because of a fear that we have? Is it this internal fear that if they don't succeed, I'll make myself look bad or I'll make Dave Ramsey look bad or I'll make financial coach master training look bad and nobody will take this seriously and nobody will ever trust FPU ever again if this one person doesn't do these things. And sometimes it is that fear. It is that hesitation of how am I going to be perceived by other people that keeps us from doing the thing that's actually going to allow good things to happen, that keeps us from walking in that grace that we need to walk in so desperately. I want to pick up on that comment that I'm hearing from both Lisa and Tim on this about where do we as coaches find our success? Because I'm, I'm hearing from both of you so far, and Les, maybe you can jump in on this too, mm -hmm. but there's a danger when we put all of our hopes of measuring our success into our clients doing what we tell them they need to do. I'm still thinking about what the two of them just shared. Um, you know, one, one of my favorite understandings of God is that he doesn't just look at our actions. In fact, in First Samuel, he, he kind of almost rebukes Samuel as he instructed him. He's like, you look at the outward appearance, but I judge the heart. I love the fact that Almighty God, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest um, discerner and the greatest, well, even judge, but he judges the heart of man. And I think we could serve well as coaches. I want to go back to what Lisa was talking about. Well, they, they ghosted me or, or they, um, they didn't do their budget again, or he didn't show up only, only she showed up and, and, and we're judging their actions. We're judging what they did to us. We're offended. We're, we're, we're hurt. And all that means is that I'm judging them. And yet we say the heart of a coach is someone who is compassionate. You know what? We care about these people. And if we care about them, we would jump to quick judgment, right? In fact, it goes on to say we're restorative and we're judgment-free. <laughs> you know, it's like, are we really judgment-free <laughs> if we're judging their every action? And yet God himself says, I don't look at the action. I don't look at the appearance of man. I look at the heart. We have no idea, to Lisa's point earlier, what they're going through, what was behind it. The story that Tim just shared, he had no idea why this person was late. And as coaches, we do tend to judge the action, what happened. And a lot of times we become our own victims, don't we? They did this to me. I'm their coach and I'm trying to help them. And they did this to me. <laughs> we have no idea why that happened or what was the cause of them doing that and what was behind it. And so we just jumped to judge. And I think if we're truly, if we truly have the heart of a coach and we share God's heart, he doesn't judge the action. He judges the heart. And so I think that we should be careful in the same aspect. I love that description, Les. Like, so maybe like my, my son is now seven weeks old as of the time we're doing this real talk. And it, at seven weeks old, you have really two ways to express yourself. You smile or you cry. And those are really 
reactions that you have. And, and let's be honest, most of the smiles at that age are just gas. Um, so most of the time it's, it's crying. And, and several times in the last week, my son has accidentally headbutted me in the cheek. And usually it's because he's hungry and I've had to pause him from his food for a, a, a burping session. And he's trying to do his little push-up things and he's flailing his head all over the place and he doesn't have full control. And so he'll smack me in the cheek with his head. And it's not fun for either of us. At no point do I look at him and say, how dare you? Why in the world did you try to attack me this way? He is a kid who is trying to figure out how to express himself, how to share the needs that he has and doing the best thing that he has possible. Now, do I always appreciate that? Not as much as I should, but I don't respond in the same way. You know, it's the same with our clients. Your, your clients, especially when it comes to handling personal finances, may as well be infants, many of them. Because this is new and this is different, and they don't know how to express the frustration they have with money, the emotions that are surrounding. They don't know how to have these conversations with somebody. They don't know how to talk to a coach because most of your clients have never, ever talked to a coach before. And this is an opportunity for us to either try to ask a seven-week-old to behave like a 17-year-old or to say, hey, you know what, let me bring you along. And I'm just going to hold you and we're going to walk through this together and we're going to figure this stuff out together. And I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to have this approach. I'm not going to stand aside and let you hurt yourself. I'm going to challenge you at times. I'm going to encourage you. We're not saying that we should never push on our clients to do something better, but we want to keep this perspective. We don't want our clients coming in with this expectation that they have to be 98% of the way to perfect before we can help them. If your client is in a mess, start with the person that's in a mess and just be with them in that mess for a moment as you're working your way forward. Sorry, Justin, didn't mean to cut you off there. <clears throat> no, okay, I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> no, it was good. I, I want to stick on this idea of success and the judgment mentality uh, that both Tim and Les were talking about. And maybe Lisa, this is something you want to jump in on. Um, don't have to, but can if you want who sets kind of a rhetorical question but who sets the timeline for success and and this is where judgment can be sneaky on me as a coach if if i'm looking at my clients and i'll, I'll just talk for myself but looking at my clients and going you guys aren't you aren't you're, you're not going fast enough you're not going hard enough you're not achieving quickly enough you're you're not being successful on what I would want you to be successful on as fast as possible. Well, there was a lot of I statements in that. <laughs> well, I was right talking there. about me, so. I, 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 you're not being as I want, as I want, as mm -hmm. I want. And that's it. it it's, um, uh, it, it, you know, that that's the, the cure, um, it, so to speak. Um, is is it's not about what I want, and um, we we as coaches, especially in prospecting conversations or even consultations early on, as coaches, we tend to want to tell people how we're going to help them before we know what kind of help they want, and it it, it so we put the cart before the horse, so to speak. And um, it, backing it up and and saying, you know, my my job here, my role in prospecting is to bring awareness of what of what it it's it we, we tend to want to bring awareness of how we can solve people's problems and help and, and meet their needs but really what the awareness is is what it, i'm freezing again y'all sorry about that the awareness is of what um what their need is i don't know if i don't know what their need is i can't serve them well and so we, 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 again, we jump to that. And what happens is, is that we also will jump over the, the opportunity to create a very safe environment for that in, individual, which is where judgment-free comes in, right? If we meet someone with compassion, you know, we might see their potential. We might go, oh my gosh, they have a great income their debt is 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 handleable you know they're not in crisis boy oh boy oh boy i could see them being debt free and um i'm, I'm i am going to stop my video for a moment um i could see them being debt free for 
you know, in, in 18 months where they're thinking it's going to take five years, right? I could see that happening. And then what we do is coach to our 18 month goal when we didn't even work with them to introduce the opportunity of something more for themselves. And, um, you know, we, we set expectations sometimes that haven't been met. We've, any of us who have children have probably done that before. We've set an expectation on an individual. Um, and, you know, uh, I heard a comedian the other night cracked me up because this was what my mother would do. She, she wouldn't chastise or, or, um, uh, or or challenge me to do more she would just she would just make a statement and she'd say don't you end up like your cousin mary <laughs> because we all knew what mary what was going on with mary right she didn't she just it, it was just a statement and you know sometimes it feels like that don't don't end up like those people filing bankruptcy don't end up instead let's meet them where they are at the moment that we're with them and you know what sometimes y'all somebody could they could be gung-ho all in and and they're in that moment of have y'all ever done that before you're you're going to bed the night before and you're like tomorrow i'm getting up and i'm 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 eating salads all day long and i'm i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and i and and i'm gonna exercise twice and i'm gonna take a three-mile walk and i and then you get to bed the next night and it's like, I didn't do any of those things, right? But those fries were delicious. They, oh, the and the temptation was all over me, right? And so it, we don't want to compound that by them pursuing that client, asking them at that moment, you know, well, why didn't you? How come? That doesn't matter. That, that doesn't make any difference. The question becomes, what do you want to do about it now? Maybe there were unrealistic set expectations set. Maybe the fear came in. Maybe the overwhelm came in. The temptation was overcoming. Uh, who knows? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What matters is that my role there as a coach is that I'm going to meet them where they are every time I meet them. Yeah, and this but is where find out where they are. Yeah, it, it's sneaky. You keep using that word. That's a good word. Because well, it's, it's hard to be aware of it in the moment. And, the, and even when we're questioning the, I love the all-in motivation. I, I, this, this couple, this client just doesn't seem to be all-in. They may be all-in. That's just the level of all-in. That's where they are at the moment. That's where they are. My level of all-in may look differently. My, my level of gazelle intense, what my expectations are for gazelle intense, may be here. This might be where they are. And I, so I love that you made that call out of, got to meet people where they are. Go ahead, so, Tim. I saw an interesting question. A couple of people have kind of hit on this as well. This question of well, where does like standing for the truth come in with this? Right? How, how can we bo be both truthful and compassionate? You know, there's a fine way to think about the, the directional thing here. If I'm leading somebody to the truth, I'm getting it right, right? My job is to lead somebody to the truth, to help them see the truth, to get the truth in front of them, and they can then decide whether to accept that as their reality or not. What the truth is not meant to be is a weapon with which to hit other people. It is, it is not a weapon to hit somebody else. So if I'm using the truth as a weapon to attack somebody, I'm misusing the truth. So there, there is a tremendous value in standing for the truth and calling things out, saying, you know, this is not okay. Right? As an organization, as coaches, we call out things, for example, the toxicity of our current financial culture. A culture that says you must have a credit card, you must spend money, you must do this. The only way to be happy is to buy these vacations and to have this stuff and to borrow this money and over and over and over. And we're standing up and we're saying, no, 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 no. That is not true. There is truth that isn't that. But to stand up and say, this is the truth. Now let me lead you to it. Let me lead you to figure out how can you apply the fact that this is the truth to your world. When you realize that the truth is that this doesn't have to be what your life is, you can change. If instead I come into your life and say, here's the truth, you're a moron. Stop it. Well, no one's going to change in that case. And so we're, we're, we're never going to be the ones to say back away from the truth. Any of you that know me outside of these calls, you know that there are very, very, 
very uh, few people who are, are more like about the truth and like fight for the truth and stand for the truth. Like, I, I am that guy, right? I, I am about as justice-minded as they come. My son's middle name is Justice, all right? Like I am as justice-minded as they come. But justice and truth also have to work hand in hand with grace. They hey, don't can, work well separated. Can I say something about that word justice though? Yeah. See here in the Western world, we see lady justice holding the scales mm -hmm. and it's all things equal. You know what, in Jesus's culture, literally the, the translation of the word justice means that we restore someone from a place of shame to a place of honor, y'all. And it can only be done through truth. See, the question in the chat was, well, how does truth fit into this? Well, it's all about the truth. Yeah. Truth but is not relative. That, truth is that, true. That word justice, though, think about it. We're helping someone restore themselves from a place of shame. Y'all ever felt shame before? Mm. And it is, um, it can be crippling. Mm. It, it can, uh, I'm, I'm feeling it right now for other people right? Because they're in a place of shame. But we are there to help restore. If we want justice for people, that's real justice is honor restoration. I feel like I got to step in because of all the people on the call, my name is Justin. Okay. So I know your son's middle name it's is close. just us. <laughs> but I'm just in. Okay. It, it literally means one who loves justice. This, just in. Um, <laughs> But I, I, man, loving justice, but not having mercy, ooh, disaster. And this is part of, think back to your training, y'all. When we talk about the heart of a coach, we talk about it being compassionate, restorative, and judgment-free. But we do, have, we do have the identity of the coach is a truth teller. But when, like Tim was talking about, when you are a truth teller, but you don't pair that with the heart of a coach. All it comes across is judgment. And how many people change their lives because of harsh judgment? Maybe a few. But if you come in with the heart of a coach, compassionate, restorative, those two come first, then judgment-free. That's your mindset. That's your heart behind how you're working with your clients how you're meeting them where they are. You're being the guide. You're not going to be the hero and, and steal credit or shove all the risk of the equation onto them. But you're, you're walking alongside them as a guide, not doing the work for them, but walking alongside them. And that's, that's where the life change happens. That's the fun stuff right there. I know it's hard. You got to juggle a lot of different things as a coach all at once. And, and this stuff, it comes with practice. That's where real, real life change can happen. And ooh, that's fun to be a part of that, part of that journey. Les, you're the merciful one on the team. Fox was about mercy. <laughs> Which is good because he's our leader. Ain't none of the rest of us got it. <laughs> well, you know, blessed are the merciful, but they shall receive mercy. Mercy is a very good thing, but just like everything in life, just it, mercy in and of itself could end up being a bad thing. It could make you enable somebody. Uh, it could make you uh, give more than you should. Boundaries, <laughs> screams, sometimes mercy will break boundaries. Um, that's why we need to have boundaries. And one of the things that I learned, Lisa always <laughs> brings this up, one of the things I learned through life is that mercy without wisdom is one of the most dangerous things out there. And so we've got to take this situation by situation, person by person, with the help of the Holy Spirit, because I don't care. This month I've been coaching 30 years. This is my anniversary, 30-year anniversary, getting trained by Larry Burkett. And in all those 30 years... I will not go into a coaching session without praying first. I, I pray, I never say, oh, are you kidding? I got this. I've been doing this for decades. I got this. 
Uh-uh. Our prayer is, Lord, I've never met with these people before. <laughs> I don't know them. I get, I'm sorry, I get choked up because these people are valuable to him. And heaven forbid that I ever go in assuming anything or even giving too much mercy and crippling them when God maybe doesn't want me to do that. And so my prayer is, Lord, help me help them. Help me see things I may miss. Help me understand things that only you could teach me during the session. May my ears be open. May my eyes be open to your wisdom. I don't ever want to go into a coaching session based on my 30 years of experience, ever, <laughs> not without the Lord. That's it. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. Lisa, you got anything, Tim? <laughs> no, I, I, I threw the verse in here, but I know that not everyone's able to see the stuff in the chat box, or if, if you're listening on the recording, you may not see these things. Um, I, I think a very, very useful verse is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Micah 6, 8. He has shown all you people what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, to act justly, to call these things out, to bring people to the truth is unbelievably important. But act justly, love mercy. I put this in the chat box as well. Y'all, I am unbelievably thankful that God is a just God. And at some point he is going to put an end to the evils and the sickness and the pain and the war and the destruction and everything in our world that has gone so terribly wrong. And I'm infinitely more grateful that he is a merciful God who is not going to give me what I deserve because what I deserve is really bad. I can't be good enough to get there. I can't be good enough to earn it. The mercy and the justice must both be there, but I can appreciate them both so much more because of understanding who God is. And y'all, we get asked the question all the time, do I have to be a Christian to take FCMT? Nope. Do I have to be a Christian to be a great coach? Nope. You, know, you jump on a real talk with us. And if this is your first time, this may be the most uh, gospel focused thing you've ever heard out of Ramsey Solutions and we're okay with that. And we're gonna keep doing it. And if you don't like it, that's cool. There's a wonderful little red button and you can leave anytime. But if you're willing to hear this, we're going to keep doing it because these conversations need to happen because this is the reason that we keep coaching, right? We care about those people because every single person that's ever lived on this planet has been created by God in his image and deserves the opportunity to connect with God, to be reconciled to God, to have that relationship restored because God is both just, but God is also merciful. And we're not going to stop it. We're not going to stop talking about it. And y'all, for all the four of us that are on the this side of the webinar, and hopefully for many of you, this is the reason I coach. If I could no longer utilize this idea of coaching to connect people to Jesus, I'm going to go find something else to do. Coaching is wonderful, but it's not what I'm, I've dedicated my life to. I've dedicated my life to introducing people to who Jesus is. Coaching is just a vessel. Coaching is just an opportunity to do that. That's what we're all about. Act justly love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Now I'm going to do something and he's not going to like it because Les doesn't like the spotlight put on him. But if you ever want to see an example of the heart of a coach, I think you all just saw it. He doesn't like the spotlight on him. But we love you, brother. <laughs> Thank you for doing what you do. Lisa, any final thoughts for today? My only thought is to say what you just said, Dustin, is again, I'm freezing. Sorry, y'all. But um, man, if y'all don't look into somebody's eyes or say a prayer prior to your session and get choked up, go before the Lord again and do it again. Do it until you do get choked up because the person you're about to sit in front of is God's masterpiece. It's workmanship that's crafted by his hand. And so the idea of getting choked up about to weep over another person, whew, there is no greater gift for you or for your client. And it's a gift to God because he sees that you see his masterpiece. So good way, way to, way to point back to that, Justin. Thank you for wrapping us up that way.
Well, thank you all for being here. We are up on time for today. We do these twice a month. They're some of the most fun calls and eh, well, no, if this is your first, you get to see what we do on these real talks. We bring real talk. Thank you for being here. Go out, have a great conversation today with someone. I hope you take something from this. Until next time we get to see you all, God bless you. And we'll see you next time. Bye everyone.